Today, it is a solo episode. So let's jump right into things. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Uplink. First off, I want to talk about a bit of the B-Wing and the TIE Defender. Uh, played a bunch of those with a friend of the podcast, Bombastic, over the weekend. And oh my gosh, it is really fun. It's hard, but not too hard. So the the B-Wing is, I think, one of the most popular, definitely the most highly requested ships that, they, that uh, the fan community wanted to be added to Squadrons. And it's super awesome to see how many requests there were for it. The B-Wing is a bomber, and it's different from the normal bombers. So the normal bomber has a lot of the tracking missiles that you can add to it. It has the main draw of a bomber. While the way it shoots the bombs is different depending on what you add. A lot of it, it's directed from the bottom wing, so that's where it is shot from rather than uh, from the cockpit. It's a different ship. Something that's super, super fun to play around with is the maneuverability with it. It is a super, super slow bomber. Like, it is definitely the slowest vehicle in the game. Even boosting, it's like the slowest of all of the fighter, <laughs> of all of the ships in the game. It's still fun, though. And I think they nailed that. In the future, I think they need to adjust the maneuverability quite a bit. But if you can get the hang of how slow it is, you can be quite effective with it. It's also really, really big. It is a huge ship. You can definitely feel it when you're driving. And I've heard if you're playing it in VR, you can definitely tell the scale of it a lot better than even on 2D and even even 2D, like a, a 2D screen. Even flat screen. <laughs> you can tell that it is large. And because of that, you have to play around with the adjustment of the orientation of the ship, which is something new that you can do with this ship. On the controller, it would be the, the left bumper or L1. It's super fun. You ha because it's such a large ship, you have to utilize that to its full advantage. Otherwise, you won't be able to maneuver around as well. You're going to be getting wrapped around a lot of objects as you fly through the skies, which I found myself dying a lot from. Like when I first started playing this ship and I didn't know all of the, the intricacies of it, it was difficult. I th still think I prefer the Y-Wing. Y-Wing is still my favorite, even with the, 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 the nerfs that they did with it. I still think the Y-Wing is my favorite, but I can greatly appreciate the uh, links that they did to add the ship to squadrons, and it's fun. They really captured the feeling of flying a B-Wing very well. And we played an all-bomber squad for fleet battles. Goodness gracious, that was a trip. It was very difficult, but it was really fun. I enjoyed it greatly. When you have an all-bomber squad, specifically the B-Wing bomber, you can tell a lot of the strengths and the weaknesses very quickly because you're all dealing with it at the same time. And along that, so the, the way that we did a lot of these battles was through private or custom matches, which, oh my gosh, just a little side tangent here. We'll, we'll talk a little bit later and the rest of it. Custom matches are insanely awesome. But now let's talk about the uh, TIE Defender uh, for a bit. I, I The TIE Defender is a very interesting ship. It is quite fast. It is also really effective at dealing a lot of damage very quickly. From my experience, it seemed like a weaker ship than uh, the others. It's definitely a weaker ship compared to the B-Wing. 
if you're uh, on a 1v1 lance battle against a B-Wing as a TIE Defender, you're going to get shredded. There were a couple times where I was able to pull out a victory against a B-Wing as a TIE Defender in a head-on-head uh, combat section, but it was rare. It definitely takes, with the um, with one of the abilities of the, of the B-Wing, you can have 80 total bombs, which is insane. When I first when I first saw it, I thought I was being dyslexic and or there was a glitch and that there were only eight bombs and not eighty. And um, yeah, it is eighty bombs that you can equip with a certain ability on the B wing, and that definitely strengthens its advantage against a tie defender. Overall, greatly, greatly enjoyed my time with both of these ships. I think they are both fantastic additions to the game. And it's so great to have some variety. That adds just another choice that you can have as you play in the Skies of Squadrons. Now, let's move on to talk about custom matches. So custom matches, if you're not aware, are private matches in Squadrons. So you can customize the full experience. The amount of customization in the game and what it allows you to do is way above what I expected it to. I was I was expecting, oh yeah, you can you can set up private matches and you'll be able to play against your friends and that's it. No, you can select what kinds of ships that they're able to select. There you're able to select what kind of attachments you can put on those ships. If you wanted to have a tournament where it's just 5v5, everyone's playing the base loadout and it's all skilled on Yavin, you can do that, which is such an awesome addition. Not not what I expected at all. So that is wonderful to see. I was so impressed with that. You can also, if you wanted to 1v1, you can do that. If you wanted to 2v2, you can do that. If you wanted to 3v3, you can do that. If you wanted to 4v4, you can do that as well. It is such a powerful, I mean, 5v5 obviously, it's such a powerful tool. And I cannot wait to see how it's utilized in a an esports use case. It's going to make it so much easier and so much more skill based than uh, previous esports tournaments in uh, in squadrons. Something like the Crater Clash. Um, it was all skill based, so all points and all of that were were taken into account. So how many kills, how much damage you down, how much damage, uh, how many. Um, kills you put out, how many uh, times you died, that was all taken into account and put into an algorithm and out popped your number. And that was paired up. And then in the finals, in the semifinals, they were able to stream snipe. So basically they would queue or queue snipe. They would queue up at the same time because they both had five players on their teams. You have a high percentage chance to be able to get into a match with each other. Just because of how the priority matchmaking works, if you have a five team, you're put into matchmaking a lot faster than someone with just a single uh, teammate or even two. So that was uh, one of the workarounds for esports and squadrons. The other one was the Operation Aceway, which was a set amount of time. And in that time, if um, it was all about wins. So the amount of wins that you got in that amount of time. Both, both definitely have their ups and downs. And no longer will you have to do the workarounds. It is now built into the game, which I am so, so happy about. It's fantastic to see, and I can't wait to see what's gonna come out of the woodworks next. 
This episode of Uplink Podcast is brought to you by It's Not a Tiny House Podcast, a podcast all about alternative living and making it happen. Definitely go give them a listen. Link will be in the description of this episode. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. The day it came out, hopped on to some squadrons and got into a match. It was Spikel, uh, part of Uplink Squadron, and myself. So two, two on our team against Yepper and Mark Splitscreen of the Mark side. And we went into it trying to, once and for all, tell who is the superior squadron. We went for two matches. Mark side took the first one by a small margin. And then, in the second round, Uplink Squadron took the victory. We demolished them. Actually, both rounds were pretty close. I think um, we were both around... I think in the first round, we were down eight. And in the second round, they were down nine. So we were pretty close uh, each match in terms of equality there. We're basically even. We didn't have a tiebreaker quite yet. We'll, we'll see about that. But it's definitely super fun to be able to have some rivalries with your friends and be able to experience uh, different loadouts in squadrons as well. And you can change how long the uh, the load-in times are in terms of uh, if you die and uh, how long you have to wait until you spawn. Uh, we started off super slow, but um, they're super short. So as soon as you died, you basically jump back in. It was a five-second countdown. The only problem with that is that you weren't able to switch out a ship. So you're basically locked into whatever ship that you chose. Um, and then the next round, we, we shifted that to 15 seconds just to make it, it... It was definitely faster, but allowed us to change ships if we wanted to. It's so cool to see, for me, and for lots of us in the... I think for most of us in the Star Wars Squadrons community, it's fantastic to see new content being added to the game. It is such a breath of fresh air after the the sad death of Battlefront 2. Uh, hopefully we get a third one. But to have a game that was announced at launch to be a, a non-live service and that they weren't going to make any more content for it. And we've been surprised consistently uh, with more. Uh, we had a Mandalorian season type thing where we got cosmetics based around Mando. And then we got an announcement that more content was being added. The map from the campaign was added. And then we also got some more cosmetics as well as the new custom matches and the two new ships. So it's fantastic to see the shift in the way that the team has looked at squadrons because it was it was touted as a game from the 90s or it took much inspiration from games in the 90s and that they had a, a set experience that they wanted to implement and it stand on its own. It's a $40 game and sometimes you get it was it's been on sale very consistently for 20 bucks and even at $40 it's a steal and at 20 what are you doing with your life if you have not picked up squadrons um it's understandable if you are uh, get motion sick from those types of games but still if you don't have any like physical things that stop you from playing this game it is worth every cent it's such a fun experience i think i've put I mean, there are tons of other people who put a lot more time, but even through all of the busy schedules that I've had and the day job, as well as uh, producing content for the podcast, I've been able to sink in almost 100 hours, and that's saying something, taking the time, and it's so much, I think it's definitely a game that benefits from having some squad friends. If you have some people that you can squad up consistently, 
it's so fun to be jumping into squadrons with some buddies and talking about what's going on in your life and what's going on with Star Wars, all of those announcements, like what the heck. Um, so it's fantastic to see. It's a great, great time if you can get some friends. Even solo, it's fun. You can get in, especially if you get in dogfights, you can get, you can feel yourself getting better the more you play. And that is definitely the number one tip I would give anyone jumping in the game. Just play. Dogfights, I think, is the best way to do that. Um, but Fleet Battles is also a good way as well. The next thing I wanted to talk about was some awesome, awesome tease that we got from Matt Martin at the Lucasfilm team. So Coolio on Twitter tweeted this out. This is random, random, random thing. How are you, Matt? I was wondering if... I should be excited for the future of Star Wars games, considering EA closed the doors on Battlefront 2 back in April. Hope you can answer. Matt Martin says, I haven't been this excited for the future of Star Wars gaming in a long time. That's all I can say, unfortunately. And then he responded in a tweet. Following up that tweet, uh, Coolio asks, Awesome. Since Lucasfilm's stream of games in 2004 to 2005, or more excited? And Matt Martin responded, I mean, that was a good year, but I'm confident about the future. So that right there is such good news to hear. Last episode, we talked about the possibility of a Battlefront 3 and uh, what that could possibly look like. It's so cool to me to have a, a little tease. We're getting some new games. We're getting LEGO Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga soon, spring 2021. It's coming up quickly. Probably in like three months, we'll be able to play that, which I'm so pumped about. There's one game in 2021. And then in 2022, we'll be getting Jedi Fallen Order 2. Fantastic. Yes, it is great to see those two games. We're in a, in a phase where this year we got a Star Wars game. Next year, we're going to get a Star Wars game. And the year after that, we're going to get a Star Wars game. So yeah, that, that right there is a good future for Star Wars games. But this right here is super fascinating to me. It's super exciting to see him say, I haven't been this excited for the future of Star Wars gaming in a long time. That's all I can say, unfortunately. So that... That, to me, means that we have some Star Wars games in the future that we know nothing about. Uh, we were talking in the Wayfinder team chat, and super, super pumped. I have someone in the Lucasfilm team mention something about Star Wars with the huge announcement of all of that Star Wars content coming to Disney+, Plus, the new movies that have been announced. All of that awesome content is coming in down the works for people who enjoy Star Wars TV, and Star Wars movies. And yes, while we all are fans of that content, I'd say a lot of us really, really enjoy the video games most of all. You can spend a lot more time immersing yourself into the worlds of Star Wars through a video game aspect than you can in TV, or in movies specifically. There is a lot of Star Wars you can experience through TV, but it doesn't put you into the world as deeply as something like a video game where you are controlling the character. So I'm super, super excited. Hopefully we will be able to, with with the hype around Mando and the love of that character, the love of that time frame and the love of that world and exploring that through the eyes of a Mandalorian, a bounty hunter, it would boggle my mind. I would be so confused if they didn't have a Mandalorian type game coming at out. Coming down the works. I would be ecstatic even if it was a remake of Bounty Hunter. That is one of my favorite games. 
it is such a good look. I mean, the controls are super jank. It's hard to control, but those, the story and the world building in that game is so good, and it just feels amazing to be able to play uh, a bounty hunter, Django Fett, and go around the worlds of Coruscant and all of these different locations. And that that's that's literally all I want, is a game where you can go around Coruscant, experience the, the shady life, uh, maybe like Cyberpunk 2077, but Star Wars, and without a lot of bugs, and doesn't come out in eight years from now. <laughs> so that would be fantastic. Even if it's a small slice, maybe it's um, a smaller city, a smaller neighborhood in Coruscant. It would be so cool for me, and I think a lot of people would definitely enjoy this. A, a semi-open world. I mean, at this point... Uh, as far as we know, the license is expiring in 2023, so exactly uh, around like three years exactly, give or take a uh, few months. So we've got three years, and what kind of games, we haven't heard anything that's been leaked in terms of development quite yet. Uh, they're definitely working on things in the background. We've got Jedi Fallen Order and Lego Star Wars coming out. Fantastic games. What would you all like to see bring, being brought into the Star Wars universe, considering that we have a three-year time frame, so we have like one development Star Wars, we have one development cycle available for new Star Wars games. As far as we know, the license has not been renewed, um, they're definitely, I would imagine they are in definite talks to do something like that, even if it's just like mobile games, like the amount of money that mobile games bring in EA and Disney from... Galaxy of Heroes is insane. There's no way that they want to lose that money. Even if it's a renegotiation, maybe they have they can continue making Star Wars games, but it's not an exclusive license. That's something that I would prefer. Um, opening it up. While EA can still create the content that they want to create, and they have licenses for maybe specific franchises. That would be cool to see for me. Um, but yeah, let me know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube or uh, you can send an email, contact at uplinkpodcast.com. Reach out on Twitter. DMs are open. I would love to hear what kind of Star Wars games you would like to see coming into the works. I know, I, th I think the majority of people really, really want to see a new open world Star Wars game. Um, an open world KOTOR 3 would be fantastic if they could update the mechanics of that game and add a little more spice. Let me add a little bit of spice. And I think that is a perfect opportunity to recreate that franchise and reinvigorate it. An update to SWOTOR possibly. I know a lot of people greatly enjoy those types of games. Doesn't really float my boat personally. But it is definitely a subsection of the community that would greatly appreciate something like that. I personally would love to see another Battlefront game as well as an open world Star Wars game. That would be fantastic to me. So let me know. Would love to hear all of your thoughts. And if you have topic ideas, definitely send them in any of those ways. I named. Super pumped for the future of Star Wars. Definitely thinking an Uplink Plus podcast will be all about that. An Uplink Plus episode. Will, I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk recently, and I want to do a deep dive on Uplink Plus about that. So stay tuned for that podcast. Um, going to be shorter form, Uplink Plus, probably like 10 to 15 minutes, but it is extra content for supporters on Patreon. So definitely check that out if you would like to explore some more video games and listen to my thoughts. 
So this is the first episode that we've done solo for Uplink. Let me know what you'd like to see improved. I'm super pumped for the future of Star Wars games. If you'd like to support us, Patreon is the best way to do so. Patreon.com slash Uplink Podcast. A great free way to support us is through leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Basically anywhere that can support reviews. It's super helpful for helping for getting new listeners, and that's always great to add to the community and get more voices and people to enjoy the show. Uh, another great way is to share it. If you aren't able to monetarily support us, sharing with your friends is a great way to help us out. You can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the show. Help us out. I love doing this podcast. We're going into the sixth year. So 2021 in November will be our sixth year anniversary. We've been doing it for five years and I want to continue it. It is always a blast exploring Star Wars games. And I look forward to continuing that with all of you. Everyone is fantastic. See you in the next episode of the podcast. As always, thanks for listening and may the force be with you. Uh